get out of their comfort zone. I mean literally just taking a step into the aisle. I've seen people jump out of wheelchairs. I've seen tumors explode and fall on my new shoes. Just, just by giving God something to work with. So I said, look, here's what we're going to do. And this massive crowd, we're going to praise the Lord. And man, the young people beat the, I'd say older, the seasoned people to the punch. And they went for it in that auditorium in, in, in Fort Worth. And when they did, the miracles cracked off so fast. Ribs, a girl's ribs were sticking out from a car accident, almost breaking her skin. They snapped back in place. People, hundreds got born again in Christian conference. I love all that. Here's the point. Here's the point. Is when you praise the Lord, He becomes enthroned. Enthroned in the moment. Your praise literally becomes a resting place for Jesus the King. This is what that means. It means that everything that is not Him has to bow in the moment. In the moment. And then He comes dancing on in. He comes dancing on in and begins to draw us to Him. And once we're drawn to Him, we discover He's all we ever needed. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to count to three. You're not going to freak me out. You won't freak me out if you're really calm. You won't freak me out if you're really wild. You can determine that. This is all I'm asking you. I'm asking you to be a little more bold and a little more sacrificial than you were yesterday, okay? Can you do that? Come on, every hand lifted. We're going to lift something mighty and glorious that gets heaven's attention here. One, two, three. Come on, lift your voice. Jesus, we give you praise. Jesus, we give you praise. Jesus, glory to the Lamb who is slain, who is slain, who is slain, who is slain, who is slain. Glory to the Lamb who is slain, who has conquered the grave. There's none like you. There's none like you. There's none like you. There's none like you, Jesus. There's none like you. There's none like you. Holy, holy, holy is the Lamb. Worthy is His name. 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 Why don't you just close your eyes right where you are. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you for your nearness. Thank you for your, thank you for you. Thanks that you're right here, right now. Why don't you just close your eyes where you are. Let your heart look at him. You're right here, right now. Help us yield today. Blow us away as you just burn the face of Jesus in every heart. Amen. 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 Can we praise Him one more time and seal that? Can we seal that? Can we seal that? Hallelujah. 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 I want you to look at someone, say, today Jesus is going to touch you. And you can grab a seat. Grab a seat. I want to sit in that section. <laughs> Those are my people right over there. Such an honor to be here. I want to thank Jim and Mary for having me. Thank you so much. It's such a joy. It's a real privilege. And... Uh, and um, yeah, it's been amazing. I'm like on this Ohio, 
I don't even know what to call it. This tour, I don't know how many times I've preached in the last three days. I came from Bethel, Cleveland. I think I preached five times at Bethel, Cleveland for their Holy Spirit conference. And man alive. Was anybody there? Yeah, wasn't that amazing? We, the last night, we, we only took testimonies of tumors or growths that disappeared, and we could not get to the other testimony. For 45 minutes, 45 minutes or an hour, for 45 minutes to an hour, we only took testimonies of growths disappearing. Big ones. Fist-sized stuff. It was absolutely wonderful. And I didn't even teach on healing. And... <laughs> And I, and I also discovered Jesus never taught on healing because he is healing. And I'm, it's legal to teach on healing. You just make sure you're in touch with Jesus while you're teaching on the topic. And when he comes into a room, he does what we always dreamed of way better than we could ever imagine. It was growth after growth after growth after tumor after cyst after cyst, one after the other. We only got to one other um, issue, which was a guy who'd snapped his hand his wrist with a massive scar and uh, in a car accident, hasn't been able to really use it um, for seven years, and uh, he did about five push-ups for the first time in seven to ten years with, with the thing. So it's just outstanding what the Lord is doing. I mean, if you know, Ohio is not a difficult region. There is no such thing. It's garbage, and it's a lie. When Jesus walks into a room, he can do whatever he wants. The key is... The key is getting him in the room and then yielding. It's really that simple. If you ever listen to Miss Kuhlman, all she talked about was surrender and yielding. It's really that easy. The devil wants us to believe it's more difficult. It's not more difficult. Draw him in, woo the Lord in, then he woos us to him, and then we kind of disappear in this environment of presence, and then we listen the best we can like little children, and Jesus makes us look good at the end of the day. It's really amazing. It's really amazing. You say, how can you talk that simply? Because I tried all the other stuff. This thing's about Jesus. The whole thing. Anything, anything that detaches from the person of Jesus, though it is a truth, can become an idol. Anything. Grace can become an idol. We saw that happen about five years ago. People would come to the altar and say, I met grace. And my answer would be, that's cool, but did you meet Jesus in the process? It's true, though. Anytime we separate, anytime we take a scalpel and separate him who is truth from what we think is truth, that truth becomes an idol. It is, there is no truth outside of Jesus. Some of you believe that. Uh, here, can I come down? Okay, I didn't know because of cameras or anything. In Korea, you can't come down. So if you come down, they're like... <laughs> I've been preaching so much I, I, I thought we were in Korea for, for a moment this is very true Jesus himself is here today so, so the thought of Jesus is not present today alone when we say the presence of Jesus we have to realize it's the actual him the real Jesus is among us. That's a game changer. That'll change your Christian life forever. Absolutely, just revolutionize it. 
And that's what the Holy Spirit's job is to do. And may I say, it's, the, the, the Trinity is not this board of directors. They're not like, we have an issue down there that we need to fix. Let's try to get along in the process. That's not how it works. They're in love with one another. In fact, Jesus said the Father loves us as the Father loves him. It's phenomenal. That means that there's this love relationship amongst the Trinity. So Romans 5 says the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Spirit. This speaks of the love of the Spirit. Jesus speaks of his love. No greater love can a man have than to lay his life down for his friends. So there's this love, what I like to call this love vortex amongst the Trinity. And they are committed to glorifying one another. What if church was like that? When the Lord comes and pours out his presence, self seems to go like this by default. So this Jesus people thing that Lou's been prophesying, this Jesus people thing that so many of the prophets like Bobby Connor and all these guys are prophesying, this will be a very selfless move that actually enjoys seeing brothers and sisters flourish in their anointing. And then the devil comes in with this little whisper like, well, you're not getting your platform. The Holy Spirit wants us to know that all the boats rise when the tide goes up. All the boats. All the boats. And that's what the presence of Jesus does. See, some of us think we know the presence of Jesus. We just don't understand that that is Jesus. So we say stuff like, I feel the presence. Well, the presence is him. The presence is not a misty cloud that jumps out of his elbow that is not him. It's not a piece of him. It's the actual him. You say, why are you going here? Because if Jesus can become more real to you today than me or anything else, or your sickness, or your issue, or your mountain, that mountain will disappear by default. Of course, there's times we need to go after stuff. I know I'm rambling right now. I'm just waiting. So just bear with me. People go, you're a, whole, you're a presence guy. I go, I don't know what that means. But if you're saying I'm a God guy, yeah, I am. I think that's fitting. I'm a preacher. I should be a God guy. Don't you? They just stare at me. So, so there will come a moment this morning where the Lord becomes more real to you than you. And that's where Miss Kuhlman used to say, that's where miracles happen, when Jesus becomes more real than the need. Yeah. Heidi grabbed me once. She said, I said, Heidi, there came a moment where Jesus seemed to walk, just seemed to walk into our meeting. She goes, oh, I remember that when that happened to me. And her eyes were like glorified cherub eyes. There was literal gold on her looking at me from this close. She goes, isn't it way easier that way when Jesus just comes in? Yeah, I feel him. So when we say, I sense... The presence. The Holy Spirit wants you to know this morning, you're saying, I sense you. The actual you. The real him. There is no scalpel thin enough to separate Jesus and his presence. He is his presence. So, it must go from this ethereal concept of, I have come to cultivate presence. To the moment you cross these doors, it must turn into this, I have come to tend to him who is here. 
You say, give me more. I would if heaven would. There is no more than him. You say, well, where does the word play into this? Where does teaching play into this? It definitely plays into it. But the key is to be aware of him while you're teaching him. So it's really good. It's not, it's not, has nothing to do with me. Because I used to do it the other way. And, uh, and yeah, I did see breakthrough, but my heart wasn't warmed. And what God's not raising up in this Jesus people movement is a bunch of gospel employees who have to get their stuff on YouTube just to feel valuable. And I, my stuff's on YouTube, so don't get me wrong. <laughs> but it's not on YouTube so that I can feel like I'm an evangelist. God is not raising up employees. Let me, let me list a few employees in the scripture. Balaam was an employee. Did God use him? Absolutely. He was called a sorcerer and a prophet in the same chapter. I don't want that said of me. Let me name another one. Judas was a, an employee. A productive employee at that. He raised more dead people than probably most anybody here. He cast out more demons than probably anyone here. Healed more sick people than probably anyone here. Definitely sent out as, as one of the two by two who were sent out. Amazing, amazing resume. Amazing ministry resume. Pretty outstanding. Let me name another employee. Saul. Saul anointed, great looking, tall, an amazing man, led Israel, a mighty warrior, and by the end of his death, the Bible says of him, he died as though he were never anointed. Can we stop there for a moment? Think of what that means. To be anointed, the hand of Jesus has to touch you. He's the one who smears the anointing on you. There is no anointing outside of presence initially. Habakkuk 3 says that therein, in his hand, where lightning flows from, therein, Habakkuk said, is the hiding of his power. The hiding of his power is in him. Power flows from presence. You encounter Jesus, his desire is this, he will eventually anoint you if you don't give up. You just can't give up. You just have to stay with him. That anointing is an actual verb. It takes place. The Hebrew word is mishach, and he takes his hand and smears the Holy Ghost all over you, anoints you with the person of the Spirit. That's amazing. That's one-on-one contact. That's one-on-one collision. We need that again. See, we need Bill's Jesus to become your Jesus. We need Benny's Jesus to become your Jesus. We need Reinhardt's Jesus to become your Jesus. God is calling a people for one-on-one, face-to-face collision, an absolute showdown between us and God. You say, that might hurt. It might. You might leave with a limp, just like Jacob. And that's what God needs. People whose legs have been broken from underneath them, who look weak to men, but God seems to flow out of. That's what we need again. We need old-time Pentecost again. So I just don't know if that's grace full enough and it just doesn't seem like rest. Can I tap that demon for a moment? Well, give me a moment. (laughs) You got to meet him. You got to meet him. 
And so the Bible says of Saul, he died as though God and him had never met. That's basically what that means. So God's destroying that whole employee thing. I work for Jesus. Being a loving laborer and a worker are totally different. So Paul said it like this, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. Why? Because he also said, I've got to apprehend that which has apprehended me. I have to grab on to this loving Lord who knocked me off my horse when I was persecuting him. I need him. I want to grab on to the one who grabbed on to me. So the Shulamite called it being lovesick. How could it be that he wants me? How could it be that he would come after Michael when Michael wanted nothing to do with him? How could it be? While my parents were pastors, I'm out all night in raves, four nights a week, showing up to their meetings, completely wrecked on drugs, coming up to the platform. My dad would say, pray for the people, and I'm completely blitzed out of my mind, making a mockery of the beautiful church of Jesus, yet he still wanted me, man. And it's that tension, and it's so tight because... Our hearts are pulling. His heart is pulling. And so Paul just said it like this. I've got to have the one who has me. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. This, listen, this whole thing is about Jesus. In heaven, you know why I'm saying that? Because in heaven, it's just about Jesus. How many, you, guys, you guys were there last night, a bunch of you, right? Was it, what, what did the Lord do to you? How do you feel today? Come here, girl. Come on. Yeah, in a cool hat. Come here. What did you feel last night? Oh, gosh. Yeah, you're, you're safe. You want me to yeah. hold it? Yeah, thank you. You're afraid? Yeah, come on. I'm not super afraid. What, what did the Lord do last night? Um, wow. Well, the night before, I got really delivered, and um, he just set me free from a lot of sexual abuse and a lot of different things that were happening, and... He like he like emptied me to fill me back up, and he just like filled me up with him and his anointing. What did and it his feel love. like? Oh my gosh, I was tingling. My head was tingling, and my hands were tingling, and my lips were tingling specifically. Why were you on the ground? Oh, because he was just like, I have to be in submission. I yeah, just had you, to you be were like, sobbing, crying. I remember your face. Yeah. Your makeup was going. Oh, down. like my friends were laughing at me. They're like, "You look like a cat." It's like you did. whiskers. It was a good cat. <laughs> yeah. How do you feel this morning? Good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, so good. Yeah. yeah. Lord, we just thank you for, for what you're doing in us. And that you're not that you're not done with us. And that your mercies are new every morning. And that the presence of the Spirit will be hers forever and ever and ever and ever. And that you'd go so deep. And you'd raise her up, God. You'd give her that you'd put nations on her heart. Yes, Lord, that she'd sit with the poor, the children. She'd sit there, Lord, in the, in the dirt in those villages and just tell them about the Lamb of God who loves them, who's always there for them. Shut your hands, guys. Pray in the Spirit. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the quick work you're doing, that you're restoring and recovering, that you're making the crooked way straight in her life. And that the anointing of God flows through her, Lord. That you'd shoot her out. That you'd shoot her out. You confound the, the wise, Lord. You confound the wise. Those who don't think she's uh, uh, qualified. You qualify us. Oh, Jesus. 
You qualify. Say that. I love you, Jesus. <laughs> You're amazing. <laughs> You're my king. <laughs> wow. Give me a hug. You're cool. I like you. <laughs> You're so cool. You like my sweatshirt? Yeah. I'll give you one. Really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Ryan, get, get her a sweatshirt. Don't any of other you guys try that. Yeah. Just lift your hands to heaven. Come on, Lord, it's the fresh wind of the Spirit here. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Just let new wine flow today. Let your fire fall on hungry hearts today. Let it happen today. Yeah, so, so, So when you talk about the Lord, being that he's a person, he comes. So I know maybe some of you have your notes out and you're, you're like, I, I need my five points. But there's going to be one point today. <laughs> There'll be one point today. And um, I used to sit with Oral Roberts when I was younger in the ministry. I was 26 at the time. I just planted a church where nobody got saved and nobody got healed, and uh, I used to call it Miracle Free Christian Center. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and my, my personal motto that I think maybe I've grieved the Holy Spirit was, <laughs> if you want to stay lost and stay sick, we are the church for you. <laughs> now... The next point may just kind of paint a clear picture for you. When Benny Hinn's your father-in-law, and you can't get a fly healed, and he can sing Old MacDonald, and the stadium gets healed, it will really harass you. <laughs> you begin to discover, discover something about the Lord. There are no shortcuts. Even if, so today, if I laid hands on you, right, and released something on you, whatever, an anointing to heal the sick, Eric's here. Eric was dying. Raise your hand, Eric. Eric was dying of uh, COPD. He had had it his entire life. He couldn't do the most, he couldn't bend down and tie your shoes, right? Yeah, just completely handicapped by this horrible disease. He drove to Youngstown, Ohio, last two years ago, and the winds, literal winds, tangible winds, began to flow <laughs> up out of the carpet. That's what it felt like. And you can see me on the video checking the carpet because I thought, I don't know why I thought this. The Lord really deals with our stupidity at times. But I, I go, man, I guess in Ohio, in Ohio, they put their vents in the carpet. So you'll see me on the footage going, you know, any vent, no vents. And they've started blowing. And somehow that translated into if you have a lung disease, you'll get healed. Fresh wind. I mean, God can deal with your childlike naivety. And so I, I walked into a section. Eric was sitting there. I said, there's someone in this section being healed of chronic lung disease. And he claimed it. And uh, he was unable to lay on his back because of the disease and the pressure. 
And the Holy Spirit made sure he ended up on his back. And he's laying there and goes to the doctor straight from Youngstown, breathing 100%, a clean bill of health, clean bill of health. It's been two years, and he's completely healed. He came, he came, he came to Jesus, Jesus 17, which maybe I can show at some point here. Maybe we can get those ready. But um, he came to our event at Jesus 17 last year in Orlando. Uh, we host these big events down in Orlando. Now we're taking them around America. And uh, he came and walked as a volunteer, unloading massive equipment in a room that seats 6,000 people. He walked 7.2 miles in a day, in one day as a volunteer, loading and unloading stuff off the truck dock. And before that, he could barely tie his shoes. He just walked. How many miles did you just walk in Miami Beach? Okay, you did like a group fitness class? Like Zumba? <laughs> Was it Zumba? Okay, I'm just making sure. All right, go ahead. Yeah, Ryan loves Zumba. So you did that group fitness class for an hour, and then how far did you walk on the beach? 16 blocks. We're talking about a guy who was dying. His doctor said, don't go to Youngstown unless you know they have a hospital. Because people, people can easily die from what you're going through right now. And he came by faith, and the Lord healed him. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. What time is it? I just want to pace myself. 11.40? Okay, great. You guys want to see a blind lady, a blind lady who got healed? Want to see that? Can we run that? Her name is Juanel. You might, you might have to turn the volume up a little bit. You guys know Angela here, Angela Locke. If not, she's from Ohio and she, she runs with us. She, she runs our healing rooms on the road. Is the volume working? You'll just have to read the lips by, by the Spirit. <laughs> Well, you guys just let me know when, that, when that's ready. Want me to keep teaching? Okay. <laughs> or whatever I'm doing. Um, yeah, can we get the lights back up? Maybe the Lord has a different plan. So, I'd sit with Oral, and Oral would absolutely torture me. For those of you who don't know who Oral Roberts is, he was the father, really, of the healing movement in the 40s and built a university called Oral Roberts University and uh, my Lord, what an amazing man of God. So I'd sit with him wanting to learn how to work wonders and he would give me one answer, you have to meet Jesus. I hated the answer. I said, no, no, I already met him. I met him in 1989. I met him at an altar. I prayed the prayer. I checked off the box. I watched Christian TV. I met him. And he'd smile. I said, no, no, I don't think you get it, Doc. He used to call him Dr. Roberts. Doc, I need you to show me how to do the stuff. And he'd sit there on a leather recliner and go, you need to meet Jesus. And then I'd go meet with a guy named Rex Humbard. If you're from Ohio, he's a legend up here from Akron. Really started Christian TV. He gave Catherine Kuhlman... Her first tent, it's at 6,000 people. They just had no idea that in Akron, 18,000 would show up, six in the tent, 12 outside the tent. 
for a little woman. How many of you know God uses women gladly? And I'd go sit with Rex and Maud Amy. And I'd say, uh, I'd say, Pastor Rex, I'm not seeing any miracles. No one gets saved. Show me how. He'd go, yeah, you, uh, you need to meet Jesus. <laughs> What's wrong? I was like, What's wrong with these guys? They're, they're not deep enough. Don't they, don't, can't they give me something else? Can't they give me more as though more is true depth? It's not. It's pretty hard to have more than everything. The last time I checked, he's everything. So Rex would say, uh, Jesus calls a man. I go, what in the world does that mean? We'd be at Chili's, and he'd say, he'd say, how are things going? Bad. How's your church? It's shrinking. We went from 400 to 70 in a month. <laughs> and here was the worst part. I live next door to Rick Warren. That, our church was there. <laughs> so he's got a city, and I'm meeting in a little movie theater, and nobody wants to come. And I'd sit with uh, Pastor Rex, and I'd say, uh, I need help. He goes, oh, yeah, I can help you. You need to meet Jesus. <laughs> wow. And then, um, then I'd go sit with uh, my father-in-law. I'd say, uh, I, I can't serve in your meetings anymore. They're harassing me. The, the, the gap between your meetings and mine is actually causing me to go into depression. Literally, I wanted to quit the ministry. I'm telling you, within minutes, I would see hundreds of miracles in a stadium. And then uh, I was trying everything I knew. I watched every Jack Coe, William Branham, Oral Roberts video you can imagine. I have all of the, I have the originals. I own some of Catherine's personal stuff. I, and then all of a sudden, nothing, nothing, just nothing's happening. So I wanted to quit. And I stood in front of a mirror with my Bible. <laughs> That'd be an interesting view for the Lord. And I said... My life is not, I'm not experiencing what's in this book. And I just can't play the game anymore. Because I didn't sign up for this. I was a professional golfer. Any of you want to take me out to Muirfield, you're more than welcome. <laughs> I said, I, I, I don't want to just be a professional speaker. I have a value for preaching. There's power in the word. I get that. But it seems that my words are lifeless too. That's why the scripture says of the prophet, I know the words on your mouth are the word of the Lord. There's something about the Lord taking his presence and causing it to drip off the tongue of someone. Well, instead of memorizing the 23rd Psalm and knowing that, God is wanting us to actually meet the shepherd. big difference, man. It's a huge difference. Some know the psalm, some know the shepherd. You should learn the psalm and know the shepherd. So I'd sit there with my father-in-law. He'd go, you have to meet Jesus again. i go, these, all these guys are nuts. They're all crazy. Can somebody give me a manual? And I believe in manuals, by the way. 
but they all pigeonholed me into the need for encounter. I, wanna, I, want to, I want to humbly but boldly submit to you this morning that encounter is not an option. I would submit this to you, that the entire Christian life is meant to be an encounter. But somehow the devil, because he will cause you to choose, he will ask you, he'll offer you, I shouldn't say cause, he will offer you the option to choose between stuff that sounds spiritual. When I first started Jesus Image, before our first meeting, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said this. He said, if the devil knows you'll never become a Judas, he'll gladly negotiate for a Martha. Martha's a great woman. I mean, she worked hard. She just wasn't Mary. And so the devil spiritualizes the whole thing. You know, he has no wisdom, but he's not dumb. Wisdom is a person. He has no wisdom, but he's not an idiot. He does, his, his resume is pretty, he's got a 6,000 year resume as it pertains to deceiving men and women. So he comes in and shrouds the thing in the word, just like the Pharisees did. So he tries to take the word and twist it and pervert it, because that's what he did, right? He perverted the word of the Lord and deceived Adam and Eve, like this. Did God really say it? It's like newsflash, bro. God only really says stuff. God, God doesn't kind of say anything. Right? God isn't like, this is a 40% promise. I don't believe the other 60%. He, I'm kind of telling you this. Anyone who knows the, wor- the voice of the Lord knows he only says stuff. Not only does he say it, he backs it all with heaven itself. I want you to think of the majesty of the name of Jesus. Because of Jesus' sacrifice, because of him laying his life down, dying, the scripture says in Philippians, even the death of the cross, God has given him the name, the name above every name. Some of y'all didn't like that. I'll say that again. God has given Jesus, that's why I say it so much, the name above every name. So in heaven there is one name where all of heaven literally stops on a dime and it causes great silence in heaven. The closer you get to the throne, more stillness is experienced and that name produces a great silence so that all can behold him. And one day that's what we'll all do. We'll just all look at him. I talked about it last night. We'll see Jesus as bridegroom and we'll love him more. We'll see Jesus as provider, and we'll scream, holy. We'll see Jesus as baptizer in the Holy Spirit and fire. How do we know that's who he is? Because his eyes flicker with fire. He can only give away what he is, who he is. You know why his eyes are fire? Because he is fire. Let me go there for a moment, because I feel fire right now. Listen to me. Jesus said the eyes are the lamp of the body. They're the lamp of the body. They're not the light. They're the lamp. What do lamps do? They project what is within? You remember that, 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 what was that coffee? I feel, I feel the Lord. What, what, what is that coffee commercial? Fill it up to the rim with brim. Do you remember that thing? I just dated myself. How many of you are 40 or older? Okay. 
Jesus made a statement. He said, the eyes are the lamp of the body, the window of the soul. That's why John the Revelator saw his eyes of fire. You know why? Because the eyes tell you what's on the inside. Bob Gladstone, who was the director of, 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 the, of the Brownsville School of Ministry, the revival there, he said, countenance can't lie. Christianese can lie. Bible covers can lie. Podcasts can make you look a certain way. Lingo can really make you lie. We call it culture. Culture is not lingo alone. It's such a trap to embrace culture and miss Jesus, who is the culture. I tell the kids that at BSSM and Reading all the time. You want to break Bill's heart? You want to break the Lord's heart? Come here and find some lingo and culture and don't meet Jesus. He himself is our culture. So Jesus, his eyes flicker with fire. That is proof that he is a consuming fire. Why do you think prophets and preachers walk the aisles looking at eyes? Because they tell you everything. It's countenance. You can't fake it. That's why Heidi's eyes are nuts. They're not normal. They're, her eyes make me want to go lock up with Jesus. Isn't that the point of the gospel? My friend says it like this. If, my friend Eric Gilmore says it like this. If the, if the gospel in your heart is not leading you into a Mary of Bethany encounter, the gospel experience in your life is falling short. The gospel is unto first love. It's not merely, and it's glorious, not merely in unto blotting our sins away. It's unto union with the Lord, oneness with Jesus. Hear me, full-blown marriage. That's an encounter. And so Jesus has eyes of fire, and we look, oh, he's the baptizer and the Holy Ghost in fire. Because he is fire. And then we see him as lion who protects us. If you've ever been to... Attacked by a demon, you, you weren't really praying for the Jesus who puts kids on his lap and pets them and blesses them. You needed the lion to come in and handle something. I love that about him. Can I make you laugh for a moment? I'm not so sure Jesus is a hipster. You know what I mean, youth pastors. <laughs> Got your tattoo on the wrist. In Hebrew, you can't even read it. You forget what it even means. It's like, well, I think uh, just... I want you to know, I'm a youth pastor. Hmm. <laughs> I love doing that in ministry schools. All the guys are like, whoa. <laughs> you gotta have your skinny jeans, your chuka boots, your tattoo on the wrist. Your fade and your black frame glasses, and you're an anointed youth pastor. You're ready to go. You change the world. You just change the whole world. <laughs> you can have all that stuff. Just make sure you get blasted. So you need the lion. You need the, the lion in those moments. I've been pinned to my bed in Guatemala by demons, literally pinned. And that's where I found the value of traveling with a team. And I screamed out for help. My dad ran into the room and sat next to me. And finally that thing got off me. I realized that uh, the devil really hates the preaching of Jesus. So every time he attacks, I learn something. In the attack is him overplaying his hand. 
if he's attacking me because I'm doing something, God's trying to tell me to double the ante. Go, more, harder, go, bang. If he attacks me on a fast, I'm calling another 40. If he's attacking me while I'm reading the word, I'm going to read 10 more chapters. If, if, if someone gets sick around me because I'm teaching healing, I'm going to teach it again and again and again and again. It says something to him. It says this, I better come back at a more opportune time. That's what wisdom does from the spirit. So you need that lion at times to come in. That's what happened. A glorious light filled my room. This horrible figure that you probably saw down there with Hogan or saw pictures of him, this horrible figure. This grim reaper guy came into my room, pinned me to the ground. And then Jesus came in. Oh my God. And he, 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 he wasn't there to mess around. I'm telling you this in the fear of the Lord, that God's truth. He came in. And the light filled my room from behind. And I learned he was not there to put that spirit on his knee and bless him. When I saw that side of Jesus, it freaked me out. I didn't know he had it in him. I used to, I love bulldogs. I, I used to have this bulldog. And um, yeah, I, I love bulldogs. And uh, they say a lot about you, you know. So that's what I walk. I like walking bulldogs down the road. So my bulldog was six months old and and a German shepherd, fully grown, came. My wife was five months pregnant. And a German shepherd off the leash came and attacked the bulldog. To me, he was just a bulldog. He was just a nice little bulldog who liked tennis balls and food and peeing on my furniture. So to me, he was just, his name was King. <laughs> so I think this feels like a sozo for me. So... Stop teaching me so much about myself. So the bulldog, when he got attacked at six months, turned on this full-grown German shepherd, annihilated him, chased him into the neighbor's house. The German shepherd's running. They, have, they jump through the screen. My bulldog takes off after him. The, the guy who owns the German shepherd's watching TV. My bulldog jumps through his door and pins his dog to the ground. Instantly, I'm like, I didn't sign up for that bulldog. I didn't know he was like that. When Jesus came to rescue me, that Saturday afternoon, while I'm just sitting in my room, I didn't know he was like that. But I'm glad he is. I'm glad he is. Why am I going here? Because there is a passage that will change your life. Here it is. Yay, he is altogether lovely. His altogetherness reveals his loveliness to me. What do I mean by that? The more I see of him, the more I love him. Now here's the deal. It will take all eternity to see 1% of him. So you should start now. So in heaven, in heaven, Jesus is so magnificent that every time we see another piece of who he is, all of heaven screams, holy, 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 holy. I see him as eyes of fire. He's holy. I see him as grace. He's holy. I see him as judge and grace at the same time. That short circuits my brain, so my heart goes, ah, holy. 
And that's why in revival sometimes you hear, ah! you know what that is saying? Those are true groanings that can't be uttered. It's saying this, my heart is seeing something my mouth can't express, so I'm just going to go like this, ah! All of a sudden you see him as God and man. How could it be? And he didn't just become a man. He remained the man, Christ Jesus, to secure us as the high priest. Holy. And then you realize that he's raised, but still wounded. <laughs> he's, he still has the holes in his hands. So as he's going up and as he's ascending, the Bible says he stretches forth his hands and blesses them on the Mount of Olives. Why? He wanted them to know, I am going up. I am glorified. I have promised the Holy Spirit. I am the victor, but I don't ever want you to forget those holes in these hands. This was a very, very expensive transaction. And so in heaven, we behold the Lamb. And every time that happens, a response takes place in us. Ah, holy! Holy is not just without flaw. Holy means entirely other than and without a gap. That's what the word means. So the scripture says, yay, yes, he is altogether lovely. He's not just all lovely. He is all together lovely. He's not just everything. He is perfectly knit together without a single weakness. And so when the saints respond in heaven by screaming, holy, the elders go, man, I can't believe I get to wear these crowns. Ah, I'm not holy. He is. And they cast down their golden crowns at the feet of Jesus. You say, man, you sound nuts. You, I want you all to be nuts. Like completely wrecked, whatever you want to call it. Wrecked, lovesick, wounded. We need him, man. We can have him. And so... That lovely name, that beautiful name, that name that is above every name is backed by all of heaven. And the Lord even goes on to say this. Check this out. That he honors his word above his own name. And what a majestic name that is. It tells me this. God only says stuff. He doesn't kind of say anything. If he's going to honor his word and voice above his name, he really meant it. He really meant it. And that's why Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? It doesn't say, will he find the breakthrough? Though we owe a breakthrough. He's saying this, I just need you to believe in my character. In other words, throw the pitch and trust me to hit it out of the park. God's going to be looking for a, the, the church, just throw in the pitch. God can hit the pitch if you throw it in the backstop. God can hit the pitch if you throw it in the dirt. God can hit the pitch if you throw it at your own guys in the dugout. He just needs you to throw the pitch. He can work with that. He can work with your simplicity that the religious spirit calls stupidity and being shallow. The deepest people are the most simple of people. Heidi texted me. Day before yesterday, she said, Oh, the love of Jesus, period. <laughs> he is glorious. I go, 
Oh, there's oil on our text messages. Oh. And you're like, uh, can you all see me? Okay. I'm a short Greek guy, so. Taller than my brother, though, so that's okay. <laughs> I was just at uh, YWAM in Kona. Before that, I preached on a cruise to Cozumel. <laughs> I saw my, my buddies were like, dude, your schedule is like amazing. And I'm like, well, yeah, wow, Kona, Cozumel. Pretty, I was like, thank you, Jesus. We can keep this, let's keep this up. This would be awesome. I'm there at Kona. It's the largest missions base in the world. There are thousands of missionaries there. How many of you heard of Circuit Riders, Fire and Fragrance, Lindy, and that whole crew? Okay. So there, that's where that whole thing was birthed. And Lauren Cunningham has shifted the nations. They have missionaries in every single nation of the world. I'm there on the base, and the Lord says, preach the gospel. I go, I'm supposed to be training missionaries. Preach the gospel. So I was there with a friend named Daniel Kalenda, who's taken over for Reinhard Bonnke. We traveled down there together, and we preached the gospel. I would say on that missions base, in two nights, 400 people got saved on a missions base. How many of you think it's a good idea to be born again before you become a missionary? <laughs> I, from there, I went to CFNI, Christ for the Nations in Dallas. I was there two weeks ago. I preached the gospel. 200 got saved. I uh, was at Bethel Cleveland the other night, preached the gospel. 75 to 100 got saved. Some of them were on ministry teams. I said, no, no, that doesn't make sense. It makes a lot of sense. The building you're sitting, sitting in has nothing to do with your salvation. Can I poke at it a little deeper? How many verses you've memorized has nothing to do with your salvation. You say, oh, you're devaluing the word. No, I, I would encourage you, listen to how many times I've used scripture in this teaching. I'm not looking at my notes or my Bible in front of me. That's all great. But it's just, I just want you to know I value the word. 10 to 15 chapters a day. I'm chewing it, but I'm looking for him. I love what Bill says. If I don't meet him in the process, it just equips me to debate. How many of you know debaters don't make history? Lovers make history. They got saved at Bethel Cleveland. How many got saved last night? 100? 75? 100? In a Christian event. Christian events don't save people. Jesus saves people. So the Bible doesn't say, for God so loved the world... That he sent a conference. <laughs> the Bible doesn't say, for, for God so loved the world, that he sent a growth track. Let me preface this by saying, I host conferences and love growth tracks. The Bible doesn't say, for God so loved the world, that he sent a baptismal tank. If it's possible right now, if possible, please just, just sit still, because this is a very, very important conversation. The Bible doesn't say, for God so loved the world, that he sent your grandmother's faith. 
The Bible doesn't say for God so loved the world that he sent a podcast or a YouTube video. The Bible doesn't say for God so loved the world he sent a t-shirt or a book. It says for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. In other words, it tells me this. When the father looked down at the earth's circumstance and every human soul, which without Jesus is in a much worse, worse off state than many of us teach today. Without Jesus, we are way worse off than just merely sleeping or needing to realize Jesus. No, we're not. We're not born again. We are lost. Without Jesus, we are lost. We are reprobate. The Bible says we are enemies unto God. We are loved, but we were enemies unto the Lord. And still Jesus died for us. That is the condition of a heart without the person of Jesus. So the Bible doesn't say that God so loved the world that he sent an altar call. Because many of us believe that our soul is secure because we responded to an altar call. The Bible doesn't, let me just go here now. Hear me out. Don't, do not throw stones at me, please. The Bible doesn't say for God so loved the world that he sent the sinner's prayer. Because so many of us, many of us use that thing as just a positional sin eraser. So we get on a porn site. We're a slave. We think God's not looking. He's clearly looking. I said this last night, has he who formed the eye, the scripture says, can he not see you? Has he who planted the ear, can he not hear you? He hears everything, sees everything, right there watching. So we, we, we watch this stuff, we do this stuff, we say things we don't think he's hearing, and then we say the sinner's prayer again as though it's a delete button. That is not the Christian life. The Bible doesn't say, for God so loved the world, that he sent a new believer's card, though I use them in our meetings. The Bible says, for God so loved the world, he sent his son, an actual person. Simeon holds baby Jesus and says something that changes the game eternally. He says, looking at a person, a real baby, with real eyes and breathing, probably crying, what a majestic little child he must have been. And Simeon's looking down and goes, oh, mine eyes have seen your salvation. Salvation is not a something. Salvation is a someone. You have to meet Jesus at the altar. You have to hear Jesus in the altar call. You have to die with Jesus in the baptismal waters. Be raised with Jesus in the waters. You have to meet Jesus reading the scriptures. You have to commune with Jesus taking communion. None of that in itself saves you. Can you help me on those keys? Yeah, just like last night, same thing.
So Jesus says, uh, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Listen to this next, next statement. But I have come, comma. I have come. First and foremost, I'm here. And because I'm here, you can have life and life abundantly. But no presence of Jesus, no life and life abundantly. He is the abundant life. Pilate, as Jesus is bloodied and beaten, says to him, I could hand you over right now. And Pilate looks at Jesus and says, what is truth? And the Bible says Jesus does nothing and just stands there. And the Greek actually reads, and silence fills the whole room. Nothing was said because Jesus is truth. Nothing he could say or teach would overshadow his actual being. He is truth. It's him. He is healing. He is provision. He is your fight. He is your warrior. He is your rest. It's all him. All him, nonstop, 24-7. Now here's the deal. I'm not talking about a Jesus this morning who's way, way out there. I'm talking about a Jesus that's right here, right now. He is actually here. The real him is really here, right here. You say, how close is he to me? Matthew 18 says that if two or three gather in his name, he is there even, even, even in the midst of them. So he's not just in that back corner. He's not with a caveman in the sound booth only. That's, that's what he told me his name was, so that's what I'm calling him. He's not just over there. He is in the midst of us. That means he's closer than your shirt, closer than the seat, closer than the person next to you. He is right here. Right here. That's why many of you feel him. Because he's right here. On top of that, he sees you and hears you. On top of that, the Bible says, you alone know the hearts of men, O oh Lord. See, we can put on a show. We can do this and that. But the real you is that you who puts his head or her head down at night and knows that Jesus is highlighting the heart, putting the x-ray on the heart, saying, you need me. Friend, if you are a slave, that's not the Christian life. Jesus said, he who sins is a slave to sin. So that's why the disciples called him master. If your natural inclination, if your life is a life of bondage, you need Jesus. He can set you free today. Completely. Just set you free. Right here. Right now. We've all heard this saying, but it's so true. If we have to wait until we die to be free, then death is our savior and Jesus is not. Freedom. In Christ is the litmus test. Freedom, chain falling off. He can set you free. And he wants to set you free. And he can do it today. Here's my question. Have you literally met the person? Literally, have you encountered Jesus? Have you given him your life 
as an exchange for his life. Because Jesus is not going to change any of you today. He's going to replace you today. He's going to take the you and nail it to a tree. And then he's going to give you him in return and raise you up in complete newness of life. He's not going to change Michael. He has replaced Michael with the presence of the Holy Spirit. And that can happen in everyone here. Would you stand, please? I want you just out of a sensitivity to the presence with no one moving, I want you to just close your eyes. And just, just, just close your eyes. And I want you to realize that there, the blood still flows as this loving, cleansing fountain. And that it's calling out to everyone here. Jesus himself suspended on a tree, calling out, I want you, I'll cleanse you, I'll fill you, I'll marry you, give me you, and I'll give you me. If that's what you want, I want you to run down here right now, and Jesus will set you free. No more bondage, no more chains. It's precious. No more bondage, no more chains, no more cycles of lust, no more of that stuff. Come, come, come down, come down straight to the front here down straight to the front if you've come forward come down right here right here to the front come down yeah thanks Lord thanks 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 you know some of some of you think I, 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 I know these people why are they coming down salvation is a transaction none of us know exactly when it happens unless it's us if you feel like I need to be free I want to be free I'm tired of the bondage I'm tired. I'm tired of looking at that. I'm tired of being bound by that. I'm tired of being a slave. I want to be free indeed. I want Jesus to set me free. I want to hand myself over to him. Maybe you're like, I don't feel like I'm bringing anything to the table. Bring you to the table this morning. This is a massive, massive table right here. Right here. Can we, can we let these people know we love them? Can we welcome them? Come. Come. Yeah. You just keep coming. You keep coming. You keep coming. See, he's irresistible. He's irresistible. He's irresistible. So the Bible says he draws us with cords of love. Cords of love. He pulls us right on in. Right on in. Now listen, Jesus said this. He said, return to the heights from which you've fallen. Return to the heights from which you've fallen. Speaking of first love. If you're there this morning, look at me. Listen to me. If you feel like I am not burning with first love, to us, that's just a small downgrade. To Jesus, it's a great fall. And he wants to restore that this morning. You say, Michael, I want to burn with what you're talking about. I want my heart to be the candle of the Lord, like David said. And I want the consuming fire, the love of Jesus, to flow through me. Again, I want you to come down here. You get behind these people. It's restoring the love, restoring the bride, restoring this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful love relationship that Jesus died for as our husband. Thanks, 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 thanks. Thanks, 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 thanks. Thanks. Just curl in here, curl in here. This is a bridal revival. This is a marriage revival. This is what Jesus is doing. He can do this throughout this entire state and rock our country with the people who love him. Come on. Thanks, Lord. Thanks, Lord. Heaven is watching. Every person who comes down, heaven sees it. Heaven is engaged. This matters to the Lord. 
Each one of you are in heaven's scope. Each one of you being highlighted. Each one of you. Though this big crowd here, each one, it's as though you were the only one looking up into the eyes of Jesus. I give you praise. I give you. Now, uh, Pastor, do you have, um, I know it's pretty full up here, but maybe there's a few people who could just stand behind them and just, just begin to pray as I start praying. Let's cover them. Let's just cover them. Uh, let's, let's let them feel that covering. Let's let them feel protected. I give you glory, and I give you honor, and I give you power and praise. There's none like you, Lord. There's none like you, Lord. Now, if you've come forward, we're going to pray one prayer, and it, it will mean something to all of you. But here, here, here's what I want you to do. I don't want you. I don't want you to just pray this prayer out of repetition. Please look at me if you've come forward. The best you can, and that's all he's asking for. The best you can, just look at the Lord while you talk to him. Now and mean it. Just, just the best you can in the most authentic way, just say, I'm really going to talk to you right now. He's not there with this pencil going, you missed a phrase. He wants authenticity. So close your eyes right now. Close your eyes. Say this, Heavenly Father. Out loud, say it, come on. Heavenly Father, I come to you because I need you. I am a sinner. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. Jesus, you are the Son of God. You died on the cross for my sins and the sins of the world. And you've been raised from the dead because you are God Almighty. Jesus, be my Lord. Here I am. Take my life. I give it to you the best I can. Take my life. Jesus, you're my Savior. Save me from the world. Save me from my sin. Save me from myself. Come and live in me. Here's my heart. Have it. Jesus, you're coming back again. Because you're the King of kings. And the Lord of lords. Heaven is my home. And I belong to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come on, give him praise. Give him praise. Give him praise. You know, it's funny when you guys when you guys stood up here. I started talking to Ryan Rhodes about you, your family. I sensed the Lord was going to do this for your family today. I said, "Are they are those girls really burning walking for Jesus?" I think so. The Lord knows what he's doing. The Lord knows what he's doing. Now, Pastor, could you come up? Uh, well, well, yeah, just come up now if you don't mind. And listen really quickly. Listen. I'm going to do the work of a pastor here for a moment. 
God lit a fire in your heart today. He lit a fire. David wrote, Is the heart of man not the candle of the Lord or the lamp of the Lord? God struck the match. What, be, what is now beginning as a flame is meant to overtake you with love for Jesus. You have to fan that flame. You fan that flame by feeding that flame, by giving that flame attention. This is not a book. This is God's heart on paper. Get into it. Don't read it. Eat it. Chew it up. And say this. Reinhard Bunke told me, read the word of God like a cow chews cud on a pasture. And I go, what? What does that mean? I, I get it now. Take the word. Start wherever you want and say this slowly. Jesus, I know you're hiding here. I know you're here. I know Noah's Ark can't be about a boat. It's got to be about you. And you say, Holy Spirit, you wrote this. Listen to me. Look, look at the people getting touched. It's beautiful. You say, Holy Spirit, you wrote this, and I know you're in love with Jesus. Show me where he is on every verse. And next thing you know, you'll be holding his hand, walking through the garden, your own Eden, holding the hand of the Lord, looking for him. Then you'll have questions and ask those questions. Talk to him and something will birth in you. Prayer, intimacy, a real relationship. Read the scriptures, eat the scriptures. Begin to talk to him about what you're reading. Talk to him about questions you have. Talk to him about concerns you have. Lastly, plug in. You've got to plug in. Don't attend. You've got to plug in to a community of people right here. This is a great place. This is where I would come. Plug in. Go deep, okay? Open your heart up. Go from a spectator to family. And what will happen is, is the Jesus in you will fuel the Jesus in you, regardless of the age. And there will be this back and forth life flowing back and forth that is the presence of the Lord that makes us family. Now listen, before the end of this day, I want you to go to someone, somebody, even before you leave these, this building, and I want you to say, man, I met or I fell back in love with Jesus. I want you to, I want you to get it out of your mouth, and I want you to declare that. Okay? Okay, lift your hands to heaven. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bless everyone here. I bless you. I bless you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. I thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit that is a free gift. Who is a free gift to those who ask. And I thank you, Lord, that you will fill them. You will fill them to overflowing with the presence of the Spirit. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now look, tonight I think I'm back. Ryan, is that right? For BSSM. I'll minister and flow. CSSM. What is it? CSSM. CSSM, sorry. CSSM. Columbus. Oh, okay. Okay, sorry. CSSM. I'll be back tonight. Are, are they invited? IPM. Are they invited? Everyone? I think so. Okay. Yeah, we will invited. minister to the sick tonight, and, and the Lord will, you'll get rocked, we'll minister to the sick. I felt like God was making first things first this morning, okay? Can we give him praise? Can we give him praise? Yeah, I'm done. Man, oh man, beautiful, beautiful.
Well, guys, before, uh, before you leave, we love to take up an offering for Michael and just bless him. And so if, uh, as, you're way, as you're finding your way back to your seats, Sean, do we have him on the app? So if you're going to give by app, you'll see, scroll down, you'll see Michael Koulianos on there. You can give by check, you can give by cash. If you've got a computer chip in your forehead or wrist, we can scan that. <laughs> Eyes, retina skin. Hey guys, if you could just find your seats and ushers, if you could get ready. Michael, do you have some books and stuff out there? Okay, he's got a book out there called The Holy Spirit, and so uh, and probably some other resources. So make sure you stop by that resource table. But ushers, if you guys could get ready, we're gonna. Uh, we just really want to be a blessing to Michael. That was so powerful. It was so good. And I encourage you guys, come back tonight. Uh, our quarter is on healing at the Columbus School of Supernatural Ministry, CSSM. And uh, he'll be teaching on healing. So it'll just be powerful tonight. All right, ushers. Okay, there you are. All right, go for it. Go get them. If you write it, write, make your checks to Zion, we'll count this offering separate for Michael. Don't forget, as you guys are praying about uh, Normandy, if you're going to write any checks for uh, Normandy for our regular offerings, not right now, but just Normandy in the byline there. So thank you, Jesus.